You are listening to the Content Academy podcast where we teach online businesses how to create raving fans with their content. So let's get to it. Hey guys, welcome along to episode 45 of the Content Academy podcast. My name is Paul Caffrey and I am joined by Phil McGrath. Phil, what's happening? How's it going? Uh, all very, very good. How are you feeling? Any better? I'm still a little under the weather, not going to lie. You'll probably hear it in my voice. Um, For those of you at home, I have a touch of man flu, uh, which, as we know, is a silent killer. Um, So if I don't make it the next week, um, you know, listen, thanks for everything. And, you know. Ooh, that's exciting. I could be a soloist on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> everything gives opportunity. Um, um, yeah, listen, I'm okay. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you'll pull through and get there. Still in the gym, still doing all that good stuff. Yeah, although I think my training's gonna have to take a miss um, due to train tomorrow morning. Um, I may have to cancel that because I'm really not up to it at all. Um, well, so I, I can imagine the the personal trainer not being delighted at you coughing and spluttering all over. In fairness, all the other fine people in in the gym. But, in fairness, uh, yeah, regardless of whether I'm up to it or not, I think yeah, it's a wise choice not to go and infect the general population of the gym. So uh, I may stay clear and maybe give it a couple of days and get back at it. Then I suppose realistically, it could be Monday before I get back to the gym. Yeah, um, well, I'm delighted I'm in a different country to you right now, so I'm pretty safe. I'm not going <laughs> to catch any of the germs. So uh, pleased with that. Um, before we get started with the show, Phil, we have our first sponsor. It is Podcast Websites. Very happy to have partnered up with the guys. We've been using Podcast Websites since we launched Content Academy. And I suppose it's not really because there is, there's a lack of skill there. So myself and Phil have built a number of websites over the years and ran podcasts and done all that stuff. I'm sure you're, you're familiar with the story to an extent, but we've been doing it since 2007. Um, and I suppose a key thing, a key reason we, we went with podcast websites was we're in the position we decided we're going to set a podcast up, we're going to be getting the website going and the guys have a great support team there which means the headaches of updates of how to actually configure uh, and build and, and actually manage say podcast hosting, all of that kind of goes out the window. So if you want to find out a little bit more about that, there is a link, it is content.academy forward slash podcast websites that will be in the show notes and in the itunes description so you'll be able to find out a little bit more and if it makes sense for you we are also in the position to get a ten dollar discount uh, every month for life so should it make sense for you to to go ahead with it you'll also get that discount as well which is very very nice especially considering i suppose websites and podcasting it's not really a, an overnight thing. It is something you do commit to for a significant amount of time. So it would be nice to have that discount with you for the life of that. You are listening to the Content Academy podcast. Bill, I believe you have an announcement uh, and some good news you'd like to share with everyone. Yeah, well, I suppose this is the first episode we have recorded since the Littlewood Ireland's Blog Awards. And uh, for those of you who maybe haven't seen our uh, numerous and many social media updates, uh, we were lucky enough to clinch Best Marketing and Communications Blog uh, at the awards. So delighted with that. And thank you very much to everyone who voted. Yeah, I, I just echo that. I was really delighted with all the support we got on social media to, to help us make it uh, to the finalists, uh, I suppose, section. And, and then, yeah, to, to win the award, it's, it's obviously a great honour and a great, uh, I suppose, um, step in the right direction considering we launched in February, so relatively uh, young business as, as such. And it, it was a really good night. The guys put on a great show in the blogging awards. It was on a, in a circus tent 
Kennington Dunleary, some of the the circus acts were absolutely incredible. Oh, I mean, the, the acrobats they scared the life out of me. Though I'd say it's very funny if you if you had a, a camera on me as I was watching it, I was getting tense, uncomfortable, thinking, "Oh my god, he's twenty five feet in the air, and he's jumping, doing spins on top of a, a, a mechanical." wheel which is also spinning so it was really really uh breathtaking stuff uh, and yeah just a good night all around really yeah absolutely it was so thank you very much as i said to everyone who voted and of course thanks to all our previous guests of the show without them of course the show wouldn't be half of what it is so we do appreciate them and their time but that's it no more looking back let's move on forward and uh, get on with today's show you are listening to the content academy podcast Today we're going to talk about what does it take to put together a simple and effective website and brand. So we decided to get back to, I suppose, grassroots uh, from the point of view that a lot of people have been, you know, dropping us questions, and it kind of all was bounced around brand and website, and you know, what should I do? And and there was a lot of kind of getting started stuff. So what we decided to do was just dedicate a show to this topic because. No matter what stage you're at when your business, whether you're just starting out or, you know, things are going really well and you've had a lot of success and things have matured, you're always going to be in the position of needing to be on top of your brand, especially website if you're in the online space, which, and let's face it, so many people are. So this show is it's really, if you're a blogger just starting out, you're going to get a lot of value from it. Equally, if you're somebody who has had a lot of success, I think there'll be a few nuggets there which uh, you'll be able to take away to to improve. And let's face it, we need to always be constantly improving ourselves. So constant, I mean, the constant audit, I do believe, is needed, Paul. Constant audit. That's it. Yeah, personal development. Uh, get it going. So without i mean let's get started phil i know there was a couple of articles that you had uh, had been looking at and were interested in chatting about is there uh, anything that uh, that jumps out that you'd like to share with the guys yeah well i mean there's one i have here from shortydesigns.com and uh we'll put a link to that in today's show notes and it's their top 10 principles of effective web design now i'm not going to go through all 10 but certainly i do recommend you go and check it out but there's just some of them here that i want to uh to point out that people probably don't take into account when it comes to designing their website we all understand that you know it should look pretty and the layout should be clear and concise but how many people pay attention to the typeface you know um how many people really think about what font they're using on their website and what size that font is i don't think there's too many who give it a great deal of consideration and that's what kind of made this article stand out for me because the guys at shorty designs do talk about that and uh, how sans sheriff should be um kind of nearly the the standard and you should be looking at a 16 point font now there are a couple of other variations that you can use but that's kind of what they recommend you can use the ariel obviously or the verdana but uh it's quite interesting that i'm just curious even those of you listening at home how many of you gave thought to what type font you would use do you know what type font you use in your website? I would argue a lot of people don't. Um, I have a bit of a love affair for a bit of Roboto Sans. Uh, do, a couple of variations. Uh, we like to use that at Content Academy. Um, but yeah, I mean, very, very important. And I suppose equally, if it is a case that you've decided on that that font, uh, let's say, um, I mean, that should really be, you know, across all of your 
uh, all of your websites and all of your social media feeds and images and stuff. Um, so, I mean, that's also something that perhaps we don't really uh, think about. Um, was there anything else in that article that jumped out or is that kind of the main highlight? No, well, there's another one here. It's very interesting. Um, it's something I'd heard before, but uh, they've put a label on it that I quite like and it's called the F pattern design. Um, and the F sounds does... a bit uh, naughty. Yeah, what, the F doesn't sound um, sound as bad as you would think. Um, I'll, I'll give you the brief passage here because I think it's worth kind of reading out. And it just basically states that eye tracking studies have identified that people scan computer screens in an F pattern. Most of what people see in the top and left of the screen and the right side of the screen is rarely seen. Rather than trying to force the viewer's visual flow, effectively designed websites will look um, with a reader's natural behavior and display information in order of importance left to right top to bottom so if you basically have something really really important that you want your audience to see it should be top left because that's where they start reading interesting isn't it and most people would put their email opt-ins on the top right so a lot of uh, people will have their sign-ups yeah their sidebar will be on the right because that's a more of a traditional place to put them and that's where you're, you would put a lot of your email signups and stuff but yeah the uh, the f pattern recommends that anything of great importance that you want to draw the readers eye to should be in the top left I suppose what's quite interesting about that, if you if you look at Facebook, um, I mean, that top left, that's where I can go and look at more stuff. So if I look at groups or pages, all that is to the left. Yeah. And then to the right is just kind of maybe ads. more the, the ad stuff side of things. Yeah. So that's uh, that's interesting uh, in, in its own right. Uh, and I suppose it goes to show that the depth that you can get into within this topic. It, at the start, you might think, well, you know, website and branding, it's, it's, it's you know, it's fairly straightforward, but already there's some... Uh, uh, something that I suppose I was wasn't uh, in the forefront of my mind. So uh, yeah, and I mean, there's there's a few there's a few other bits in there like the purpose of the site, your communication, um, images, navigation. I mean, some of the more standard stuff within that article. It's it's not too long as well, probably a five minute read if even. Uh, but I do recommend you go and check it out. And of course, the final one is making sure that it's mobile friendly. Um, it's something that we recommend people do when you're designing your site. Uh, you should no longer design it with your desktop in mind. Everything should be mobile friendly and then see how it looks on desktop afterwards. Yeah, that's, that's a good show. I mean, we saw we saw the trend, I think it was 2013 when our football site went from being desktop first to, to mobile first, really, when we, we were getting a larger percentage yeah. of mobile devices. And, and now it's absolutely a no-brainer. If your site doesn't load on, on mobile devices, you know, you, you've got a problem in your hands. I suppose the only one thing to maybe kind of think about a little bit further is um, the behavior of somebody on, on a mobile phone or a mobile device might be that they may not want to read uh, or engage in content so much they would in a desktop. So perhaps having um, maybe email captures because on a mobile device, somebody might actually decide they like your content and maybe having that as a, a primary call to action and then having, um, you know, the likes of on, on your on your desktop, maybe there's, it can maybe be a little bit more, um, I suppose, uh, different or, you know, engaging with your call to actions, for example. Yeah. Um, again, it's, you know, it's, it's here and there, I suppose. Yeah, and one of my pet peeves, now that you mentioned it, Paul, um, is ironically enough, uh, mobile sites, when I'm looking at them on my phone, and a pop-up an email pop-up will uh, appear on the screen i have no problem with them they're a great way of getting email leads in i know they annoy some people but they are proven to work however people don't seem to make sure that you can easily close the box on a mobile device whereas when it pops up on your screen on your desktop there's a big x there you can see it but sometimes the uh, the x isn't visible on your mobile device and it makes it extremely tricky 
to actually <laughs> close out but sometimes i've actually just left the website because i can't get the pop-up box to close so just something to bear in mind yeah and i suppose also when you're when you're designing your website now um look we use podcast websites but there's a lot of different ones out there you you should be in a position where you can actually decide what appears in a, a mobile version and what appears in in a desktop version and that should be different somewhat i would argue there is no need yeah. to be feeding the exact same thing and forcing it uh, on so uh yeah, no, that, that's, that's there's some really, really nice stuff there. Um, there's another article which um, we've we've been looking at from freshsparks.com, and it's basically eleven simple steps for building a brand for build a, for a successful brand building process, which is is very hard to kind of talk and read at the same time. I was just about to say it's also it. very hard to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, it was from uh, Sonia Sonia Chopra Gregory wrote this article back in May. Um, a couple of nice things from the reason I liked it was there is uh, some, I suppose, big brand practices that we could actually look to to bring across into our own um into our own world really uh, and i suppose the first is looking at having a, a defined mission statement and, and so often people don't have a, a mission statement and that then can kind of cause you to go off track because all of a sudden you might decide well i've got my website or i've got my podcast I'll, I'll, i'm gonna build an app next or i'm gonna write a book or i'm gonna you know do a course or whatever and all of a sudden you know does this fit your mission statement or does it not and um, if we look at it, the example they give is for Nike. So Nike of the tagline, just do it. Probably one of the best taglines ever. I'm sure that, you know, nearly any child on the planet would probably know what you were talking about. If you said, just do it to them. Um, now, if you were to say, what is their mission statement? I, I, I didn't know it until I, I'd come across this article. And it's basically to bring inspiration and innovation to every athlete in the world. So, if let's say for example Nike are, are building something and, and they're developing it or they want to produce some content if it doesn't actually meet those standards well it's very easy for them to decide you know what this doesn't meet our mission statement so uh yeah let's park that and you know this does so let's let's go and use it so i think uh, having a mission statement is something which a lot of you know smaller businesses and bloggers starting out tend to maybe you know gloss over because you know, there are so many other more exciting rewards. I was just about to say, yeah, because the excitement kicks in. You're like, ah, let's build it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, the, these are some of the things that you need to think about. Uh, you're dead right. And I love how simple Nike is. Um, when you think about the size of Nike and the business, obviously, that they do. So don't think that your mission statement needs to be some grandiose, um, you know, A4 size page with a 22 line mission statement it can literally be a couple of lines just something for you to keep in plain sight to refer to to keep you in check as paul says um as time goes by yeah absolutely and there's another piece in this article that i, I really like um and it is it's using starbucks as an example and I'm, I'm a big fan of starbucks and their whole third place to hang out philosophy and what what they're trying to do um apart from the fact um you know i, I suppose i am a fan of their coffee as well but i think <laughs> i'm just addicted at this point and the reason i am such a fan is i'm often in a position of, of being traveling on the go and having to work so when i see starbucks unfortunately that means I'm going to be working or hopefully meeting somebody and then having a coffee and having, having a yap. Generally, it's a business discussion, though, not so much socially uh, for myself. Um, and the key thing with them is it's it's really, really consistent. Um, and, and they really make sure that they, you know, they bring consistency to it. Um, I mean, their, their mission statement is to inspire and nurture the human spirit, one person, one cup and one neighborhood at, at a time. 
And what they really are looking to try to emphasize there is that is that consistency. So it really what I would take away from this is can you be consistent in the, the content that you create and produce? So, for example, if you start a podcast, you need to be consistent with that. If you record a podcast now and then you leave it for a couple of months and you go and do 10 more and then you leave it again, you're not really going to start building the momentum that will, will build the success. And you're not really going to draw people back in because they won't know what to expect. If one episode is for five minutes and another one is two hours long, you know, it, it just doesn't work. So um, I really like that. And I, I think it's something that we can, you know, we can really bring into all of our businesses no matter what we're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, and it's consistency is key amongst everything. Um, I, I think over the years, it's certainly something that I've learned that no matter what kind of struggles you have um, or even gaps in your knowledge, if it's something you're not au fait with that you want to try and do in your business, if you can kind of stay consistent and push through it, um, it makes a huge difference and you will fit you will find a way to figure it out and get through that so it's the consistency is definitely something that uh, as we've heard time and time again uh, will stand you in good stead and there's another piece on this article paul that i really liked oh yeah what and, is it? uh, it's be your brand's biggest advocate um and i know it sounds really really simple um of course you know if it's your brand you should be you should be its biggest biggest advocate but some people um are a little bit shy i think maybe about uh, about promoting their own stuff as they see it as kind of a you know tooting their own horn almost um which kind of is a bit self-deprecating to some but you know if you've got a brand and if you your business is out there you have to be shouting louder than everybody else um, about your brand and spreading that word because no one will love your brand or do more for your brand than you will um, and you need to bear that in mind you can't rely on other people to spread the word for you you've got to be out there you've got to be meeting people and talking to people and pushing yeah. your brand and your service um, as well, often I, as you can i think it's even simpler than that if you don't have the passion and if you don't have the you know the belief in what you're doing people will see through that very very quickly and they're not going to be interested in doing business or continue on with you so um i suppose in poker terms if you're with your brand you just need to go all in fully behind it that's mm -hmm. it um the final piece which was worth mentioning from this is a it's a little quick to tweet icon actually which is always nice to have a, a social call to action in, in any uh, piece of content but uh moving on from that it says former nike and starbucks executive scott bedbury once said a brand is a story always being told and i do quite like that and I suppose storytelling is a very interesting thing, art in itself because I have heard that um, a myth is effectively a story which is being told without mathematics. And what, what that kind of means is that, you know, you can maybe, if you wanted to teach people really complicated, um, you know, whatever it could be, you know, previous you know, religion or it could be, um, you know, you know, physics, anything like this, it, it's really, really hard to, to attach um, a meaning to that. Whereas you can actually communicate it in, in the way of story. That's how, how things stick and get passed on and get shared and handed around. So um, the more that your brand can have some sort of story interwoven into it uh, is always going to help things as well. So uh, maybe I'm going off topic because that will be a whole podcast in itself. And I think something we should cover in the, in the future, um, you know, getting into the art of, of storytelling with your brand. Uh, but just as I saw that there, I thought, yeah, that's worth a mention absolutely uh, listen absolutely it's uh it's all about the story that's what people remember and that's what people resonate with
our Facebook uh, mastermind, also on our Facebook page, and then some uh, comments from other Facebook groups uh, around uh, around the place, around that interweb, as they say. And um, we were effectively just you know talking to people. What are your tips for building a simple and effective website and brand? So very much in line with what we're talking about here today. What I was thinking, Phil, was maybe just to kind of shout a few uh, of the more relevant ones out and kind of get your take and to see if you agree or if you disagree or if you have a slightly different spin on it. Yeah, listen, fire ahead. Okay, sounds good. So the first one is from Melanie Surplice from surpliceofspirit.com. There you go. It's a nice little catchy domain name if ever I heard one. Uh, and Melanie's basically saying, firstly, be yourself. Let your personality shine through in everything on the site including all of your social media posts second tip is be consistent with your colors fonts and images canva is a great resource for that and finally you know keep the basics of marketing in mind understand who your brand serves who how you can help and really that that there are the, the three tips there i mean what do you think of, of that is there, would you agree with what melanie's saying there or anything you'd maybe like to kind of dig into a little bit deeper it's very hard to disagree with any of that in fairness paul it's all very logical and straightforward um and again consistency of brand again the consistency is uh, popping up time and time again you've said your fonts your colors your schemes your story your mission statement you need to be consistent in the way you tell that story and how you come across and you know some brands just seem to do it better than others i suppose um, if you're a corporate brand, well, then, you know, you're not going to be, you know, sharing, sharing stuff on Instagram using YOLO hashtag and stuff like that. It, it just doesn't fit, mm -hmm. you know, where you're a fashion blogger, you know, you're going to share stuff which would be outfitted the day or, you know, your travel plans and stuff like that. It's, it's about kind of finding where your brand fits in the demographic of your audience and how you can tell your story in a way that's that sits right you know it's it's a, i often see people and i'm using instagram as an as a, an example here again because it's something i've spent a lot of time on lately um, but i see a lot of people trying to shoehorn hashtags into their status updates that just yeah, don't it's fit. sometimes like i can see people with 20 or 30 hashtags i don't know what the limit is but some of them are incredible aren't they yeah listen i mean you can put them in i don't i don't have anything against people putting in a lot of hashtags if that's what they want to do personally i think 11 is where i'm at um and any more than that is a waste um but putting them in when they don't fit so you're trying to shoehorn hashtags in where they just don't work so the people who will put in like a food hashtag when there's no food in the picture because they know that people search for the hashtag food or insta there's, food there's a sign of somebody who's on a strict uh, gym diet and is just getting annoyed <laughs> by uh, instagram <laughs> but you know what i mean that it's kind of people they know that these are the most searched hashtags and whether their post relates to them or not they're trying to kind of shoehorn them in there there's no consistency in their story in their brand and that's what i'm kind of saying you need to pick or have your story there know what you're trying to convey to your audience and stick to that and everything you put out has to have an aspect in that whether it's just a color scheme or the font or the type it's got to be consistent across all your platforms from instagram to facebook to twitter even snapchat you know if your website again is a very corporate website or your business services are are to business customers if you're b2b instead of b2c 
well then you need to keep kind of a level of decorum almost where you know if it's b2c and it's a personal brand you can show stuff at the weekend out with the family maybe having a drink with your friends but you know that's fine if it fits your brand yeah that, uh, I, don't, I don't know if i've ranted too much on that if that makes sense hopefully i uh, know well come here you're always ranting you <laughs> see at this stage but um no i think it made sense um i mean uh, this uh, possibly then uh, martin from martin uh, uh com, he got in touch to kind of say well look his number one tip is less is more don't overwhelm users with, with too much information they're likely not going to read keep it short and sweet that would probably kind of fall in line with what you were saying there is don't you know don't just fill the fill your i suppose be it a, a tweet instagram update or blog post with nonsense which isn't too relevant yeah no it's it's listen people's time is the is the limited commodity you know and you've got to be aware of that if you waste people's time they won't come back you know it's like when you go to a restaurant if they waste your time and leave you sitting there for 20 25 minutes without getting service you're not going to go back not only if they wasted your time but you didn't get what you wanted and you came in so why on earth would people come back to your site if you waste your time with information they don't necessarily need yeah, and, and actually, just I mean, we've had a lot of stuff come in, so thanks everyone for that. But um, Alison Ryder from eConsult Ireland was in touch, and she made a, a very simple, uh, I suppose, a, a very a short point that uh, maybe is, is interlinked to what you're talking about there, which basically says to be an effective brand, you must identify an immediate problem that your audience has and offer ways to solve it. Um, do you think you need to go that far uh, so early on? Yeah, well, I mean, if if you think about it, really, the the foundation of all business is that there's a problem needs solving. Business in its simplest form is that someone has come up with a solution to a problem that someone else has or a service that takes the pain or stops people from having to do things themselves that they're offering out. So, I mean, yeah, if you can identify that problem, well, then it's perfect. That's you, you know the direction you're going in, who your ideal client could be and what service you're offering them. There's no, there's no way you can get confused by that if you know what the problem is. And the beauty of that is, is um, again, it's something I've mentioned this before on the show, I think, and it's a quote I can't for life me remember where I heard it. And it was pretty much that if you could... Maybe def- once said by Phil McGraw on the Content Academy podcast a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Go for it, Phil. But it was, if, if, you, can de- if you can define the problem better than your target audience you will automatically be seen as the authority so not even never mind having the solution if you can define the problem your audience is having better than they can they will automatically assume that you have the answers and that you are the authority when it comes to this problem yeah that is a very difficult thing to do but it absolutely makes sense um i suppose what it really underlines is that you know, to be in business, you need to be helping people or, you know, solving a problem is helping people. You can't just be talking, just rambling, just doing whatever, you know. Um, so I suppose that's that's a really key focus as well. Yeah, fair play to Alison. She's, she's dead right. Cool. So we had um, Chrissy Jackson uh, Mark Ward on as well. Uh, uh, that is from webstridemedia.com. And what uh, what's, uh, I suppose, the three tips that, that uh, Chrissy provided was, you know, firstly, uh, you need to keep your customers in mind when you design your website. It's for them, not you. That's quite interesting. I doubt many people actually think about that. What do you think on that, Phil? Yeah, well, I mean, people like, we like to think we know what our audience wants. And we've had this conversation time and time again. But until you sit down and speak to them, you don't really know. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's in, it is interesting how many people have sat down to design their website and thought about it from the first time visitors perspective. 
um they don't they think about what they like and what they think what they think will work and and, and kind of build it from there um but really what it takes is an objective eye who who hasn't got any anything to uh to gain from your business i suppose someone to come in and give it a fresh eye and a look and tell you where they think there are problems you know it's something we've done um oh yeah we did that i was uh, so annoyed <laughs> we did that but it, it was very helpful it, it was extremely helpful to get someone in and go there's the website have a look tell them nothing else bar there's the site knock yourself out and see how they navigate where they go what they do and then ask them a bit afterwards about about what they thought worked what didn't and what where they went and ask them where you thought they were where they thought they had to go so where was the homepage directing to what really draw what really was drawing your eye and kind of screaming this is what you need to do next and and see what they say you'll be surprised there'll be a lot of stuff in there that you may not necessarily have thought about that uh, will open your eyes it certainly did to us anyway yeah absolutely and i mean to even develop that a little bit further you could just put that website or that laptop in front of one of your friends and just go and have, click around, have a look at that. Because let's face it, generally friends don't really care or understand or are that interested in what you're doing. The idea of it is cool. Oh, you're blogging. Oh, that's really cool. And you'll have a conversation about it. But look, your friends are not the ones who are going to be looking on your website. So for most of them, uh, it's probably the first time they've seen it, uh, if we're absolutely honest. Or maybe they've clicked on it once or maybe given you a like on Facebook. So um, it can be as simple as just putting a laptop in front of your friends and, and, getting, and getting them to kind of go through it as well. So um, the final thing which Chrissy says, and I mean, it is pretty standard, but um, again, it's something that I just want to highlight. And it really comes from, you know, people may uh, come for sex appeal of your website to design how it looks. But they're going to stick around for what's beneath the surface, which is the quality of your content. And I think that's a message that we like to kind of underline again and again. Uh, but it's it's incredibly important. Yeah, listen, look at the uh, look at the big banner at the top of our site. You can have all the traffic in the world, but if your content is crap, they won't come back. Yeah, absolutely. Um so, I mean, there's a, there's a whole lot more going on. Uh, one, one tip that, that kind of came in was for Brian uh, Manon, and it is basically saying you need to do plenty of networking. The quality of your relationships will define your success. Um, you can interview people. That can open the door for you to have uh, more and more uh, friends or more business contacts. Uh, and networking and constantly networking is going to be the key to help you actually increase your strategy so that was maybe that's kind of more of a, an action advice when it comes to your brand and it kind of makes sense that if you're talking to more and more people about your brand and about your business that is is going to come back and help uh, generate some business so i just thought that was something which is, is worth mentioning because too often i see bloggers just you know hide behind a computer and, and just not really interact not get out there not socialize and really that part is just as important, even if you are an online business, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, what, what's your thoughts on that, Phil? Yeah, get away from the computer, get out. Um, just because it's an online business doesn't mean you don't have to leave the house. Cool. Uh, Tony, White got, Tony White got in touch, and he says, you, branding means you need to buy stickers uh, for your podcast and website uh, and mobile and stick them everywhere. Uh, then network with those who have punch cards and cups and, and offer to pay for their merchandise in exchange for placing your sticker on brands, cards, you know, cups. Uh, and that will that will get you uh, into a position to maybe even start getting some sponsorship. I'm not too sure how I feel about that. I, I appreciate the tip, but I'm, 
I certainly have never went out and kind of gotten stickers and kind of gotten branded merchandise out there. Um, is that you've done, Phil? No, it's it's definitely not. And um, I'm going to say that this at the risk of alienating a lot of people, perhaps. But I'm going to say on. it anyway. Go on. Um, it's in a very it's it's a a very American thing to do. Um, gotcha. and the reason I say that is there are a lot more conferences hosted in in the states than there are um around Europe. Um, yeah, the yeah. UK and Ireland is particularly quiet, isn't it? It is very quiet. Um, you know, and having branded merchandise and stuff like that, yes, can work very well if you are, um, are going to a number of conferences, uh, in your business area or niche. Um, absolutely, I'm not knocking it, but I think, um, doing that if you're going to one or two a year may not be financially viable um for you so i wouldn't be running out the door and getting some branded merchandise straight away but certainly if you are someone who does attend the conferences uh, relating to your uh, your area of business with them certainly it's not a bad idea of having some branded pens notepads stuff like that that you can you can hand out yeah, and I suppose the key thing is to make sure that they're of decent quality because you don't want your sticker on a cup of coffee that's absolutely awful because that is just not a good impression. So make sure the coffee is halfway decent before you start putting it on the stickers on the cups, guys. Um, another one which is probably a little bit more related to people who have um, you know, you know, tangible businesses such as from Melinda, and, and this probably falls in line with being a little bit um, well, non-European, be it American or whatever else. I think Melinda is from Australia. I'm not too sure. Uh, but basically, it says, my caravan logo is on everything that I do, including my caravan. I get a couple of polo shirts. I wear them to conferences with big logos on the back, you know, little logos in the front. Uh, and then when I'm going to tow my caravan, my logo is on my tow truck. So everywhere I go, I have my, my brand and my logo shown. Uh, and again, I suppose that kind of uh, kind of feeds into it's a little bit of a different culture. However, I am I do think it does work in Ireland and the UK. And I suppose places where I kind of would see that would be maybe for personal trainers. And I have noticed that a number of personal trainers are getting branded. And while hanging out in a Starbucks, I did see this guy who was, um, you know, he was chatting up a couple of the baristas. Might as well call it out for what he was doing. Um, of course, they were loving it as well. And, and you just noticed, you know, he had his uh, whatever, I can't remember the name, but it was something, something personal training. And it was a big logo on his back as such, you know. And I think in, in the fitness industry, it perhaps is something which, which makes sense. Um, and obviously, there's also Dinny Collins Fitness out in Swords. He's he's built his kettlebell business into into having gyms. Uh, and again, he's very much gone gotten some lot some uh, branded hoodies for people who actually you know attend classes and stuff like that. And I think in that instance, that can really help grow your brand and and is is well worthwhile. But you, I, I would argue, you need to be quite you know specific in what what area that you're in. Yeah, I mean, it it does obviously depend on the business you're in. Um, I think for a lot of online entrepreneurs, it may not be necessary. Uh, but certainly, if you've got a more traditional bricks and mortar business, um, it's something definitely worth looking into. Cool. So, uh, Lindsay Carlson was in touch, uh, and Lindsay has provided a lot of tips. But I'm only going to jump into a couple of them just in the interest of time. Uh, and there's one I think is the first tip she gives is really, really interesting. It basically says, you know, make sure your key message is foolproof. You have six seconds to get my attention when I land on your website. I need to know right away what do you do, how will it help me, where do I start? So, Phil, um, six seconds, you know. Maybe you might share our new tagline to make things a little bit easier for people to know what we do. We are helping bloggers to go from obscurity to authority. There you go. Very, very simple. 
uh, effective uh, and you're going to know where you are. So helping bloggers go from obscurity to authority. Um, it's, I mean, it's going to tell you straight away that that's what happens. And, you know, attention is really, really short. So that is absolutely key. If you can't say what your business does in one sentence, you know, you've got a little bit of a problem there. I would argue that you need to go away and think about that, especially if you're, you know, you're at a networking event or whatever else, or even just somebody you end up randomly chatting to on a bus goes, oh, what do you do? Well, uh, yeah, I've, I've got an online business and um, yeah, we do this and do that and blah, and, and then like it's gone. So, you know, straight away, let yeah. people know. You can always expand on it. Um, Lindsay makes a, a, the point that uh, your website is part of your sales funnel. So you need to... Have your homepage set up to direct traffic uh, to the various next steps that make sense. It, it, you know, perhaps you're not going to bring them to, to into a sales funnel straight away, but there should certainly be next steps. You need to find out what people are interested in, where they're going, and making it easier for them to uh, to go to different places. Uh, I, I mean, she gives an example. You know, if you were, you know, buying a, a, a bike, you know you know, what types of bike will people be interested in? And that could be, you know, detailed by what they read. And it kind of goes off in tangents. Um, would you think of the homepage of Content Academy as a sales funnel, Phil? I have to say, I don't. Um, I would more think of the homepage of uh, Content Academy as uh, an action step. So you've decided you want to take action on your content. You've found our website and we're going to give you the next steps to uh, make that a whole lot better. Yeah. And I think what is crucial in that is um, making it pretty obvious what, what people should do. And that maybe comes back to what we spoke about a little bit earlier on uh, in having kind of clear next steps yeah. for people, having clear call to actions. Um, well, I mean, so... just a little tip for people. If they, if they maybe they don't want to put their website in front of somebody and go, right, just figure it out there click around the place you can go to um uh sumo me and they have a heat map software which they will let you use for free i think for 30 days if you install it and uh, it will track all the clicks on your uh say set your home page the page you want to do it on and they will track the, the heat map will track all the clicks on your site so you can see from when people come into your home page where they're clicking and where they're going it's a nice piece of software that as well and especially that you can play around with for free uh it's worth taking advantage of um yeah, even if you think you already know what's worth doing uh well, what i found was quite useful when we were using that was we had some images on an earlier version of our homepage, and i realized that people were clicking on pictures that were not clickable because <laughs> yeah. they looked like they were buttons obviously and i couldn't see them as buttons i thought that's an image why would you click there that makes no sense uh, and that was able to kind of go highlight to me that needs to change. Whatever, whatever I think about it, it needs it to change. Yeah, it doesn't matter what you think. If that's what the audience are doing, you need to make sure it works for them. Because otherwise, yeah. they'll just look and go, that website's broken. Even though yeah, it's not supposed to do that in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> um, the final final feel, I mean, there's a lot. Of, I'd like to thank everybody for, for sending us in tips. But there's one final one I'd like to mention. And then we can move on to questions where you're going to be under real pressure, Phil. And it is from uh, Marilyn Pierce. Uh, and very much one, one of the tips she goes is, you need to offer an opt-in bonus. Don't wait until the first one is perfect. I think that's a great piece of advice. I mean, what, what's your thoughts on that, Phil? Oh, listen, as soon as you can, get it out there. Get it done. It doesn't have to be war and peace. We've said it time and time again. We spoke to many, many guests about their opt-ins and their lead magnets and everything else. 
if you've got something of value to offer don't wait until it's perfect as she says just get it out there if the information is good no one will really care what it looks like as long as it's not like you know illegible and completely hideous clean and crisp will do yeah and i think that's just key just yeah get that out there so i mean that kind of rounds up a, a very very big topic which is you know you know creating a simple and effective website brand um i hope there's some value that people will have taken from that we have this detailed in the show notes uh, as well uh, so if you didn't catch all of it here don't worry it's in there and there is also um, a downloadable PDF, which is actually collated uh, over 20 tips uh, based uh, on what we've been talking about to make it a little bit easier. Because if you're like me, you could be either in the gym or driving and you're like, I like this, I like that. And you're, oh, I want to go back to that. But you're never going to go back and listen to a podcast a second time. And uh, so that will maybe kind of make things a little bit easier for you. So that is in the show notes, uh, as I said. So, Phil. Are you ready for questions? Sure, why not? You are listening to the Content Academy Podcast. I say questions because we've got two. Two questions for you. All right, let's go. So the first one is from Connor Odalik. Uh, it says, hey guys, uh, I started a blog two months ago and I was just wondering, do, any, uh, do you have advice on how I can grow my readership uh, slash followers? Oh, that's quite a quite a broad one. Okay, so let's 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 break it down a bit. The blog has started, so we assume there's a bit of content being created. It's two months old. Okay, and you know how do you grow readership? How do you grow followers if you're two months into the journey as a blogger? Oh, you've got to get super specific with your content. Tell um, me more. I don't know the, the niche that he's in, so it just it makes it a little bit tricky. But let me give you something that I see a lot of bloggers doing when they're starting out that I kind of cringe at. And it's not because it's bad content as such. It's just the wrong time to be publishing it. Um, a lot of people, when they start their blogs, are full of ideas. And without sounding bad, they seem to be under the illusion that people care what they think. Um, when people truly don't because they don't know who they are or what, what they haven't qualified themselves as to why people should listen to them in the first place. So by creating a lot of content that gives their own personal opinions on, you know, whether it's, you know, marketing, communications, technology, social media, whatever it might be, they haven't qualified themselves or basically had the, the, their, the readers who are finding their stuff coming to them kind of going, okay, well, this guy's worth listening to because... Instead, they're just getting a, well, that's what you think. What do you know? So uh, yeah. I hope that doesn't sound too bad, but that's just something that I see a lot of people doing when they start out. They go into some great, and they, they, they're written very, very well, and they're very well thought out, and there's nothing wrong with them, technically. But it's just they haven't qualified themselves. So really starting out, you need to show people that you understand your niche, your market, and what you're talking about. And I would argue that for the first while, you should focus on adding value that people can implement so you're talking about giving them action steps to go away and that will qualify you because they can see that you've told them to do this and they will get a certain set result they've gone away they've done it and hey presto they've got the results you promised them and that automatically will qualify you further up the food chain and they can go right well they gave me this bit of advice it worked these obviously know what they're talking about let's see what they have to say about um you know the new ios 10 update or whatever it might be I think that's really powerful. So, I mean, to, to really kind of summarize that, what we're saying is concentrate on short posts that are action 
that are step-by-step based where people can get quick wins that's going to boost your your followers and then being specific on the areas that you're helping so identify you know possible small problems small problems in niche and just start answering them yep i i agree with that i think that that's very very good the other thing that they could do for some of those bigger kind of more value packed posts is look to guest posts on, on a couple of other blogs within the niche generally you'll find that you know if you reach out to a couple of blogs in the niche they'll, they'll be more than happy to, to have your content running on it and you know you can always then push to have a link back to your site so that could help uh, improve the, the readership and, and the following as well so yeah I, I mean maybe the two steps let's say go with that and you know don't try to Consist- do too much so leave it at that That'll yeah do well yeah. and consistency in your yeah. social media as well um you can spend you know when we start out we actually write some of our best content at the beginning because we're so enthusiastic um and then unfortunately the analytics uh, reality kicks in you realize no one has really read it yeah i got uh, six views oh my god yeah and it, it can take the wind out of your sails but some of your earlier stuff believe it or not will be the best stuff you'll ever write um so don't forget to keep sharing and keep pushing that out um, and spend the time to promote it again going back to what we said earlier you need to be your brand's biggest advocate so no one knows you're only starting out you're two months old you need to scream it from the rooftops about who you are what you do and what you have to offer yep absolutely the next question uh, is from katrina and it's basically does anybody have a recommendation for uh, a budget mailing list manager using mailchimp at the moment which is free but i've got low numbers on that at some stage it's going to become very very expensive uh, i'm not sure what the other options are when you're you're on a budget i'm designing a, a newsletter and content but that's not really the problem for me. It's more managing a mail list and sending out updates that I'm looking for. Now, I've, I've got an opinion on this, but I'll throw the ball over to you first of all, Phil. Um, I've never used MailChimp. Yeah, it's so, very like AWeber. I've used it. They're so similar. Okay, well, I mean, we've used AWeber. Um, the only thing I can speak to is what I know. And what I know is we left AWeber and we've moved all of our services over to ConvertKit and uh I know about you, Paul, but I certainly am extremely happy with the switch and how it's working. Yeah, it seems better. It seems a little bit um, more polished. And I know what it's like because, I mean, you get thousands and thousands of followers or thousands and thousands of people on your email list. All these platforms become expensive. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, probably that's more a... interesting is why why we made the switch to ConvertKill, I guess. Um, and it wasn't really a cost, I suppose, because, I mean, I think AWeber is cheaper. I'm not too sure. I know it's... I yeah, I think I, it was it was slightly cheaper, yeah. Um, give, or, give or take. Yeah. But what I would be thinking is um, if you're getting to the point where your your email list is, is becoming an expense and a business expense that you um, are struggling to, to pay or struggling to manage, you need to look at your business model uh, and actually see where your revenue is going to come in having a, a large email list and a large readership is fantastic and it's it's crucial to be successful in this new economy however just having a large email list that you cannot monetize today and you've got no signs of monetizing tomorrow arguably if you can't afford to cover the let's say the expense of having a large email list over a six-month period uh, without it starting to actually pay for itself somehow be that sponsored emails you know sponsorship on your website or you know selling products or whatever it is maybe you know you shouldn't have a large email list maybe you should be cleansing it and just keeping the content down to the people who actually are opening it and reading it so maybe constantly culling the list as yeah. painful as it is to kind of go oh my ten thousands, you know you know user list is now down to two thousand 
Well, with 2,000 people who generally tend to give you very high open rates and engage with content, that's fantastic because what's the point in paying for, you know, an email marketing company for 8,000 people who never actually really engage anyway? Yeah, so, listen, and that's, that's Paul, I, I, I can't offer any more advice than that is to keep an eye on your list, your open rates, and every once in a while you need to look at who's opening, who's not. And um, I know, say, for the likes of Aweber and indeed ConvertKit, that you'll find people have signed up to your email list, but they may not have gone through the two-step uh, process, so they actually haven't confirmed their email list. You could be still getting charged for those, even though they haven't confirmed. So you need to keep an eye on that as well and get rid of anyone on the list who hasn't confirmed their email address and uh, keep an eye on the open rates. And yeah. uh, there's no harm in sending out an email letting people know unless you open this email you'll be gone yeah absolutely because at the end of the day it's of no value to anybody it might seem great but it's not really yeah. so we're coming towards the end of the show only a couple of minutes left and this is where we're going to go hang out in uh, Paul's corner you are listening to the Content Academy podcast well, you're going to have to get out of your seat and come over to the corner here how am I sick uh, bed Drop some knowledge out of the six way. Come on. So, if you're looking, if you're a blogger starting off, uh, or even if you're, you know, you're working at this for a significant amount of time, we spoke a little bit about networking and how that's quite important. But what I think is is possibly one of the more important things because we don't often have the opportunity to network as much as we would like. It is to identify a number of Facebook groups within your niche. Um, I'm talking between five and ten. No more than you can manage and stay active in them. Get to know the people in the circles, you know, potential audience, uh, potential competitors, uh, and just everybody in, in the scene, and just add as much value to, to people as you can. And I would even say, you know, within that space, you know, add value to what you think is fair. So maybe it's answering a question, and you think, I've added a, you know, a good bit of value there, I've, I've written a nice answer, but then maybe go a step forward, maybe kind of go, you know, let's have a 10 minute chat on Skype and go that extra mile and, and start really helping people because that's what's going to help move your business on and move things forward for you is, is making these connections and being active in these groups. It's going to build readership, it's going to build following, it's going to build trust, it's going to get more people to know you so that, you know, it's no accident that the big players, you know, get so uh, well known. You know, they, they do things, the right things, they do simple things, they do them well. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much, Paul, it's the equivalent of the early days when we used to get into forums and uh, we used to join in the conversations, if you can remember back that far. Um, when there was forums going, you'd find the forums in around your niche uh, or your niche, uh, just for, to mix it up, and you would get involved in the conversations there. Um, and quite often in your profile, there'll be a link to your website if people wanted to find out more. Um, and that's this is essentially a, you know, a more modern version of that it's simply a forum that you can get involved in ask some uh, you know you, people are asking questions all the time if you have an answer to give or some knowledge you can impart by all means do um, and that's really probably the best way of looking at it is people kind of seem to get a bit phased by all oh, groups and all these people it's the same as an old-fashioned forum just get in there and have a chat absolutely i am um, that brings us to the end of the show thank you very much for keeping attention with us for for what was quite a long show I, I would argue phil have you anything else you would like to share with the guys before we wrap this up no do you know what i think that will do us for today we are getting on for time thank you very much folks i'm off back to my uh, sick bed hopefully i can shift this by time i speak to you uh, next week 
Good luck with that, Phil. I wish you a speedy recovery. For all the information mentioned in today's show, you can get it at content.academy forward slash episode 45. And I am looking forward to chatting to you all next week. Thank you.